Christian Heritage Ministry, in cooperation with Fuller Seminary, proudly presents the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, a broadcast of the Gospel with Dr. Charles E. Cole.
May we stand, please, and sing heavenly sunshine. Everyone taking part in singing out heartily on this chorus that's loved around the world. Heavenly sunshine, as you sing through the first time, turn around and shake hands with as many as possible. Now all together really lifted right up. Heavenly That's it, turn around and give everybody a good hand. We have splendid music on the old-fashioned revival hour under the leadership of Leland Green with Rudy Atwood at the piano and George Broadbent at the organ and the quartet. I think I'll name them, John Lundgren and Jack Coleman and Kenneth Brown and Art Jaisley. Uh, do you really appreciate these musicians with the chorus choir? Give them a good hand, will you? Now... I'm going to give you a good hand for singing Heavenly Sunshine once more. And everybody now really lift it up. Come on with a smile once more on Heavenly Sunshine. much and be seated. Glad to see so many here at the Long Beach Municipal Auditorium today on the broadcast of the Old Fashioned Revival Hour. God's Word says in Matthew 6.20, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through nor steal. Laying up treasures and on the old-fashioned revival hours, Sunday after Sunday, we beseech men and women everywhere to be reconciled to God through Christ, laying up treasures, and all who by prayer and standing by have a part in this soul-winning program, you are also likewise laying up treasures in heaven. May God enable you to continue to pray and to stand by this hour that God has graciously permitted us to have more than... 27 years on the air. Yeah. 
Consecrated singers with us from Sunday to Sunday. Now, quartet, go right ahead on the fire song.
Now, Mrs. Fuller with the letters. Go right ahead, honey. Well, greetings, friends. And here is a good letter. Dear Brother Fuller, I am a Sioux Indian woman and desire your prayers for my people. I am in a place where I haven't any spiritual fellowship, but I listen to you and I'm glad that Jesus saved my poor, unworthy soul. Your messages inspire me. Signed, Shining Eagle. She must have been educated in an Indian school, and I wonder where she first came in touch with the gospel. And hear this good letter, friends, which shows how the hour reaches out into unlikely places and reaches the ears and into the hearts of some who have had little chance for Bible teaching. A young mother is eager to have her child learn the songs of the faith. Dear Dr. Fuller, I listen to your program every Sunday. I am married to a band leader, and we travel quite a bit. All the guys in the band tease me for listening, and my husband doesn't understand religion. But when your program is over, and I think that he's forgotten all about your words, he asks me questions, and I answer him the best I can. I would like to know how I can obtain a song book so I can sing the songs to our little boy. My husband is a singer, and he knows so many songs of the world. I've found I do not know very many church songs, but I want to learn them. God bless you and your program. Well, this letter warms our hearts, and we do welcome her to our vast audience most heartily. May they all come to love the songs of the Christian faith, and may the Holy Spirit be her teacher as she listens. May God bless this little lady, and we shall pray for her. Dear Dr. Fuller, shortly after dinner today, I was driving along in the deep fastness of the Everglades of Florida, the nearest house more than 50 miles away, and about the only sound you would expect to hear would be the wails of a banshee or the hoot of a horn owl. But lo and behold, I moved the dial on my radio, and in comes your program, and what a difference in that vast silence. I never enjoyed a service more than this one. When I was 13 years old, I was converted, and I felt that my sins were forgiven. But gradually I drifted away from the churches and church people, and for more than 50 years this went on until it was hearing one of your sermons that caused me to change my way of living. So I, in the quietness of my room, got down on my knees, looked up into the face of God, told him how sorry I was, asked him to forgive my sins, and that from then on I wanted to trust him and walk in his ways. And I want to do this until the end. And that is all I shall have time for today, friends. And just in a moment, the chorus choir is going to sing. They're going to have or be accompanied at the little old-fashioned organ. We haven't heard it for some time. This is the kind... Uh, Many of you folks on the sunset of life have had back in the good old parlor, back in the days when you were younger, uh, Rudy Atwood's going to play the little old-fashioned organ, and in this number, where we'll never grow old, there'll be a mixed quartet, Hazel Larson, Colleen Wilson, Ray Dahl, and Randy Mosher. Oh! 
of number 131, Sweet Hour of Prayer. Remain standing for prayer, and may we sing as unto the Lord, and sing in the Spirit this grand old hymn of the faith.
our heads in prayer. Our Father, we thank thee for thy gracious commands and promises for us to cast all our care upon thee, for thou dost care for us. And we thank thee that we have a high priest that can be tested for the feeling of our infirmities, tested in all points like as we are yet without sin. We'll feel especially led today to pray for the faithful pastors across the nations, especially those in the out-of-way neglected places, the smaller assemblies or churches where they're having a hard time to hold forth against sin and the world, the flesh and the devil. We pray for those pastors that are preaching the word, winning souls, obscure, hardly anyone knows about them, but thou dost especially love them. We pray that thou wilt undergird them and keep them and give them many souls for their hire. God bless them. And we especially pray for those that need Christ today, that they may come, open their hearts by faith, and receive him who died for them, that they might have life eternal. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Listening to the Old Fashioned Revival Hour with Dr. Charles E. Fuller. His message today is titled Spiritual Gifts. Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 12, as we rejoin the broadcast. I'll provide additional information after Dr. Fuller's message. A 
Take your Bibles and turn to the fourth chapter of Ephesians, verse 7. Ephesians 4, 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. I want to be very practical, as far as possible, and helpful today to enable you to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. Chapter 4 of Ephesians introduces the general subject of the Christian's walk. And in the following verses of chapter 4, Beginning chapter 4 and on through the end of chapter 6, we find blessed instructions on how to walk worthy of the calling wherewith we're called. In chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, we find five outstanding characteristics of one who in God's sight is walking worthy. He walks with all lowliness, with meekness, long-suffering, forbearance, giving diligence to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And then in verses 4 to 6, we have God's portrait of the, of the church in his eyes. That is, there is one body, one spirit, even as you're called into one hope of your calling, one Lord, one saving faith, one baptism, being placed by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all, and in you all. Now, someone may ask right here, and rightly so, Brother Fuller, how can I walk worthy of the vocation wherewith I'm called? Frankly, deep down in my heart, I long to. It's my heart's desire to be worthy. I want to walk pleasing, but I find myself so weak. I'm such a miserable failure. My life seems to be a series of ups and downs, mostly downs. I want to walk pleasing before God, and I'd like to walk in all lowliness, with meekness and long-suffering and forbearing, and do my part. Well, first of all, I want you to know this. It's not by might nor by power, 
but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And one cannot, by his own independent efforts or works of self-righteousness, ever attain to the high standard that's outlined in the first few verses of chapter 4 of Ephesians. Paul stated that when he was weak, he was strong. Then he hastened to add that he could do all things through Christ which gave him strength, that he was more than conqueror through Christ who loved him and gave himself for him. Now it's interesting to note that beginning with verse 7 through verse 16, God gives us two outstanding helps to enable us to walk worthily. And these two are stated in verse 7. And then from verses 8 to 16, an explanation of those two helps. Jot them down. I have been studying the Bible diligently for many, many years. And it was not until recently that the Holy Spirit revealed these two helps to me personally. And they have been a great source of comfort and instruction and encouragement on the pilgrim journey. And I am so happy to have the privilege of passing this encouragement on to you and to help you to walk a closer walk with him. Now, will you notice, please, you may not catch it upon the first reading, but you have to meditate, turn it over and over in your mind. Verse 7 speaks of two God-given spiritual gifts to the church to enable the individual born-again believer to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith he is called. Here it is. First, the gift of spiritual grace, then the gift of spiritual gifts. Spiritual grace, spiritual gifts. Now let me explain. And I trust that at the end of this broadcast, you may be more solid on the one foundation that has been laid. And never worry about your salvation from henceforth. If one has a clear understanding and reference of these two gifts from God to the church, one will have a sure foundation, a never-changing foundation in a world of constant change and decay. And one can become steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now the first. The gift of spiritual grace unto every one of us is given grace. Unto every one of us is given grace. Now that speaks of those who are really born again. From the moment of your conversion to the last moment of your earthly life, this gift of grace remains the same unchangeable, never fading, and eternal. Note it says, unto everyone, unto the babe in Christ, unto the weak in Christ, unto the young men strong in faith, unto the fathers who are saturated with the Word of God, this grace is given. We cannot add to it, nor subtract from it, it is God's grace to the church. Now, the word grace, as you well know, means unmerited favor. Favor to the undeserving. 
And in the first chapter of Ephesians, beginning at the third verse, we have outlined, and I can only speak on them briefly, those aspects of grace which are never changing. Verse 3, the first of those is this, that, or verse 4, according He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. Did you have anything to do with that? No. You haven't added one single thing to it. And by grace, long before the foundation of the world, God selected you and me who are now members of the body of Christ. And God's Word says, chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. That should give you a secure foundation to rest upon. And then the second thing is that He has predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. Have you had anything to do with that? No. We are predestined, according to Romans, to be conformed to the image of His Son. And He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. This is God's grace, unmerited favor, uh, to the church. Now will you note further? He has made us accepted in the Beloved. We haven't had any part in it or any merit to warrant us being acceptable to God except through the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you haven't had a single thing to do with it. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and by grace are ye saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And I'm trying to get you to see the eternal things, the gift of spiritual grace that comes from God. And man has nothing whatever to do with that. He has made us accepted in Him. Uh, once dead and alienated and cut off from the life that's in Christ, vile and sinful, without hope and without Christ, yet believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, God made us accepted in the Beloved. And then furthermore, in Christ we have redemption. That is, we are bought back out of the slave market, purchased by the payment or the canceling of a debt. And the canceling of that debt was made possible by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we have forgiveness of sins. Did you have anything to do with the forgiveness of your sins? No! Listen, none but God can forgive sins in spite of all uh, so-called human intermediators or human mediators. Only God can forgive sins. Listen, I, even I, am He that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. God says that. You had no part in the forgiveness of sins. Now this sure foundation, this gift of grace, unmerited favor from God, remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. And no wonder Paul could write in the Eighth of Romans these words, and to you who are trembling on the foundation, listen. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. Nay, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come neither heights nor depth nor any other creation shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you on the one foundation? Do you have the no-so salvation, the assurance in taking God at His Word? And it's right here in the realm of this gift of grace that Satan wages his hottest warfare for if Satan can confuse you, causing you to doubt and to slip away from that eternal foundation and doubt, his, doubt your salvation and that you can lose your salvation, then you become fearful, less fruitful, double-minded, tossed about by every wind of doctrine. And if you do not watch out and come back, you'll become a castaway, set on the sidelines, saved as though by fire, with no reward at the judgment seat of Christ. What am I trying to do? Is to see that you're on the sure, eternal foundation, delivered once for all on the death and bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus from the grave. I'm not standing on some man-made creed or thoughts. I'm standing on the sure eternal Word of God's revealed Word. Now, here's what I want to speak upon mostly, and that is the matter of spiritual gifts. That is your work God has for you, resting on the foundation now, having received the spiritual gift of grace. God says, now notice in verse 7 of chapter 4, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And that's the other side of it. And God's Word tells us that He has given each one of us, every believer without exception, He has given us the measure of the gift of Christ and has delivered unto us a gift. Now after you're saved, and after you can rest upon God's eternal Word, that wonderful foundation of God's eternal grace, He gives you a gift for a threefold purpose. Here it is, according to verse 12. He gives you a gift. I don't know what it is. But the Holy Spirit, according to 1 Corinthians 12, divides severally as He wills. It's not for you to seek any spec or specific gift. There are those that make us uh, a special effort to seek the gift of tongues. Don't do it. God says that He divides severally as He will. And your business is to yield your members as instruments of righteousness, and then God gives you the gift for you to be fitted into the body of Christ for the perfecting of the saints, according to verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints, the upbuilding of the saints, for the work of the ministry, 
for the edifying of the body of Christ. How do you know when you seek a special, a special gift that that's the gift that God wants you to have? Are you the boss? No! The Holy Spirit is the business manager. And when you come to a place and say, Here am I, I present my body as a living sacrifice for you to use me. Show me thy gift for me individually. That's it. You have the foundation eternal that will never pass away. Now rest and then ask God to give you the gift that he has for you before the foundation of the world. For verse 13, the little word till. Notice it. Till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that ye henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. God wants you to be a pillar in the church. Now, what gift does he have for you? I don't know. You read 1 Corinthians 12, and you'll find there the list of gifts. I remembered so well that I was seeking a special manifestation of the work of the Holy Spirit, and I was desperate. I came to a place of utter discouragement, finally sitting under a pine tree up in one of the mountain resorts by myself. I said, Lord, show me thy gift for me. God made it very plain to me personally that he wanted me to have a teaching evangelistic ministry. For years, I have neglected not that gift, but have tried to build it up. Stir it up into a flame. Now, God is not working in any haphazard fashion. He has a definite plan outlined before the foundation of the world for you. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk therein. And his desire is that we remain no more babes, children. Peter says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. But when I came to manhood, I put away childish things. So, in the book of Hebrews, this may open the eyes of some of you. Listen to me as I read it. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. That has its place. But listen, fellow pastor. Lead your flock into deeper things. Leave those things of the doctrines of baptisms and the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and go on. Let us go on. Press towards the upward calling that's in Christ Jesus, laying aside every sin and every weight which does so easily beset us and run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, he's given a special gift. He gave the early church the apostles and prophets, some evangelists, and evangelists and pastors and teachers continue down to this day. But Paul said, according to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. 
But let every man take heed how he buildeth. Listen, the foundation is laid. Christ Jesus, God's beloved Son, and all of His beauty. How are you building on that one foundation? Are you giving Him preeminence in all that you do? So, Paul writing to Timothy, he says, Timothy, stir up the gift that is in thee. The stir up the gift of God which is in thee. Stir it up into a flame. How do you do it? By meditating upon the Word, by prayer, by confession of sin, by walking in the light as He is in the light, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing from all sin. For if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Christ cleanses from all unrighteousness. And then in 1 Timothy 4:14, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, And I'll tell you what comes in to choke. The cares of this age come in. If you neglect prayer and the study of the Word, you allow the weeds of sin to predominate. And your little plot of ground, your heart will become barren and unfruitful. And so we need to purge ourselves of those things that are causing the gift to be hidden, to put off the old man, to put on the new man and to walk in newness of life, realizing this, that we have the spiritual gift of grace once for all, and then the measure of the gift of Christ for us individually, as God so wills. And there are a lot of you that have never stirred up the gift that is within you to help your local pastor and to help your local church Who knows, but you can sing in the choir, teach a Sunday school class, lead in prayer meeting, be a personal worker, go out on the street corner, behind the business counter, be a personal worker. Who knows? And God says, if you're faithful, I'll give you a reward. And you'll hear me say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Friends out in the radio audience, do you really want Christ as your personal Savior today? Do you feel your need of Him? Then I beg of you today, before it's too late, to kneel wherever you are, if it's possible, and give your heart. And come on that eternal foundation and know that grace that's given to you. And then to know the gift that he has for you individually in the days ahead. While our heads are bowed in this splendid visible audience in Long Beach today, how many will say by the uplifted hand, Brother Fuller, I need Christ as my personal Savior. Please pray for me. I want to accept him today. Would you put your hand up and say, pray for me? Wherever you may be in this auditorium, I'm putting it right out to you. Do you feel your need of Christ? Put your hand up and say, pray for me. I need Christ as my personal Savior. God bless you back there. Is there another hand to go up and say, pray for me? I need Christ as my personal Savior. God says, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance in the balconies to the rear. I'm sorry I'll have to bring the old-fashioned revival hour to a close. Continue in prayer. This is Charles E. Fuller bidding you goodbye. And God's richest blessing upon you. Christ is calling, calling for you.